While we're waiting for Josie, who's always late, oh, I'm Terry, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry about this one, because we normally know the person we're doing a little bit, and we don't know at all, and it's a very bad uh, first impression. I w- <laughs> wanted to, many years ago, you wouldn't remember this at all, we ended up being stuck on a balcony during uh, someone's party and having that kind of, oh, we both arrived a bit early, and we don't know each other, and, and I obviously knew uh, your work, and you would have no idea, because you wouldn't have hung around comedy at the Soho Ho or other stand-up <laughs> clubs I was at. And I think... You told me somehow we got on to talk about Diary of a Madman and Nikolai Gogol and the idea of Diary of a Madman from the perspective of the dog in the book. Oh, yeah. Does that ring any bells to you? Yeah, it it does, actually. But um, I can't remember anything (laughs) um, about it. Um, I can't even remember... Diary of a Madman, actually. Uh, What what was this? It's it's the the man who thinks he's going to... uh, as he goes more and more mad, I think he, he realises that he is the true king of Poland. Right. Uh, and uh, that his dog... I'm, I'm probably going to get this all wrong, but it's great. We'll get loads of people just, you know, tweeting us or whatever, <laughs> saying, that, saying that I'm an idiot. Uh, and, and, and his dog is involved in, in the spying process as he, as he becomes more and more insane and realises... First of all, he's very worried about the state of the king of Poland. And then oh. one day he goes, actually, it's all right. I've realised, actually, I'm the king of Poland. <laughs> and yeah, we ended up talking about a, l- a long time about the idea of the, the dog's perspective and possibly Eddie Izzard ending up playing the dog. Oh, right, yeah. It well. never came to anything, I don't think, <laughs> In the end, like all uh, all film projects, uh, mostly film projects, are um, they the best things sometimes to get to, to go? Do you know what? Because so I've, I've only ever done one, one thing like that, and my favourite moments were the dream moments where you go, oh, I wonder what it'd look like. Imagine what this will be like, and then actually, when it comes to fruition, you go, I think the best moment in any project is. Just before you actually start the project, when it's just you, you have the most perfect vision. Well, I don't know about that. I think I disagree. I think the uh, the best bit of a project is when you're actually doing it and involved in it. And um, for me, the 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 most exciting moment is uh, getting up in the morning and thinking, I wonder what's go- when you're writing something, uh, and thinking, I wonder what's going to happen next. Because um, I, d- I, d- I don't usually have any idea of, uh, of an overall story. I mean, slightly, you know, I, 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 I've got a slight idea about what, what, what the overall trajectory is. But um, generally, I, I just launch out on something and hope for the best. And, uh, and so that's really exciting drive to get to the desk and find out what happens next. <laughs> Well, you, one of the things, actually, is you, you go off in so many different directions. I remember the excitement when I was 13 and seeing in the school library the book about Chaucer's Knight. And I'm going, oh, I had no idea. And, 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 and reading that, because I would, as someone who was uh, an enormous fan of, and still am, of, of comedy, I thought, that this is something totally different. Now, something I, I, I would never have known about as, as a 13-year-old boy. So do you ever look back and go, oh, maybe I should have just concentrated more on the history? And, and so you were saying that last night you were doing a lecture about Columbus and, and the, the Flat, flat Earth. Earth. yeah. Um, well, I was, I was doing that at the Royal Geographical Society because uh, Mike Palin is president of the Royal Geographical Society, and so he, he strong-armed me into, into <laughs> doing a talk. So I thought, well, I've got this... Uh, I can do about... Uh, uh, the only thing I, I know about geography is that the, the flat earth thing, the, the flat earth myth. Um, uh, and this is about um, people in the Middle Ages uh, thinking the world was flat. Um, and of course, they, they didn't think the world was flat. And it's only in the 19th century that people started thinking that people in the Middle Ages thought the world was flat. Um, and so I thought, well, I can lift that out of my medieval lives talk. So I can. So it would be quite easy to do, construct some other talk. And, uh, and then, of course, I think... I'd started working on Columbus and then sort of uh, got further and doing a lot of research and uh, uh, got sort of admired in sort of weeks of work to, <laughs> to construct this talk. Um, but, but I don't really see myself as a historian, really. I, don't, I mean, because I can't remember anything. You know, that's the trouble, <laughs> which isn't a very good uh, quality for a historian. Um, but um, So like with the talks, I, it's, all, it's all on slides, so... Uh, I have everything I say really written down on or prompts to, to remind me what it is. 
I saw someone do that the other day. There was someone who was doing a lecture at the, the Royal Observatory. I was doing a gig there about the non-existence of time. I have to admit, I did disagree with them. Uh, time doesn't exist. And he had everything on slides. And I thought, what a trick. Why yeah. do I ever do stand-up when you're actually allowed in <laughs> lectures to constantly turn to your script and have, have a visual aid there Ex- as well? Exactly, yes. I, people keep saying to me, how on earth do you remember all that stuff? You know? And I said, well, it's... It's all on the slides. It's a trick. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> so, was there any point? Because I'm fascinated by the, by the flat Earth myth. Because I know that yeah. the Greeks came up with various ideas of specifically why they believed that the the, the Earth was round. So, the, so generally, there's there's no historical record of this this wonderful time when we were on the the backs of elephants and turtles and all of these things. It was generally seen that the Earth was curved, was it? Yes, well, uh, I mean, Pythagoras, uh, you know, 500 BC, says the world's round, um, and I think most, uh, all intellectual Greeks uh, would, from the 5th century onwards, 5th century BC onwards, knew the world was a globe. Aristotle says that uh, if you look at the eclipse uh, of the moon, um, it's the Earth's shadow uh, going across the moon, and it's round, so the world's round. Uh, and uh, the, the, church, the church never taught that the world, the world was flat. And Augustine says that it's, uh, it's round. Well, he says, that, he says that the Bible doesn't say whether it's flat or not. Um, and, uh, uh, and if the pagan philosopher says it's round, well, fine, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, Ven- uh, Venerable Bede said it's round. Prior uh, uh, Roger Bacon said it's round. The Bishop of Lisieux says it's round. I mean, everybody it they ruins knew it. the song, though, doesn't it? They all laughed at Christopher Columbus <laughs> and uh, yes. Thomas Aquinas and Pythagoras and Aristotle when they said the world was. Actually, no one laughed. They all thought it was round. So that's, uh, <laughs> yes. well, that's talking of the, of the change in the nineteenth century. That that to me is quite interesting as well. Where. Some of the thinkers there bring up the fact that they, they went, well, it probably was around. Also, things like biblical literalism, which seems to have come in in the 19th century, where, you know, now, we, oh, of course, they, they always taught that uh, the earth was created in this amount of time and there was only six and a half, uh, what's it, 6,600 years, is it? Yeah. Something like that. And in fact, that's all rubbish as well, isn't it? That was generally throughout religious history or Christian history. Yeah. They've gone, oh, no, 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 it's been here a while. Yeah. We don't know how long. <laughs> It's getting tricky. Like, I didn't know about that, actually. Because I, mean, I, I hadn't actually sort of investigated that bit of it. But I'm sure that's right. I mean, I'm sure they just took it as poetic uh, uh, license. You know, the, nobody tried to pin down actual uh, actual things. Well, it's, yeah, most of them still w- would talk of it as well, we know that these are myths. And this is yeah. going on for, for hundreds of years of, yeah. of, of religious philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now suddenly that everything something went wrong in the 19th century and I don't know what it was yeah. even the myth about the piano legs which I found very disappointing <laughs> I'd always thought that's a lovely thing to imagine the, the, the sexualisation of the piano legs I mean, no it was just decorative they didn't think the piano was sexy at all well it depends who's playing it I suppose your writing is really I mean you've, you've, you've covered as I said you know academic uh, ideas and in fact with Chaucer's Night there was, there was some argument wasn't there about the way that you Interpreted the, the the jokes that Chaucer, yeah, uh, the the way that cause, do you know what's terrible with Chaucer? All I can ever remember is Gan pulling up these smock and Anne he throng, <laughs> which I think is the Merchant's Tale. I've never done the Knight's Tale, but was that was that quite an interesting thing to publish a book and then actually have suddenly the, the these Chaucer scholars perhaps surrounding you, metaphorically surrounding you, and going, oh no, that's not what Chaucer meant. Yes, no, um, uh, actually the first time I went to the Chaucer Congress, um, they have a the Chaucer Society has a, a congress uh, every year in different places, and, and that, uh, that that year it was in York, I think, and uh, and so I, uh, I I went and I did my Chaucer's Night talk uh, at the at the, at the, con- the congress, and uh, that was uh, pretty terrifying, <laughs> actually. Um, uh, but I've since done, you know, I've since got used to it, and uh, I mean. Uh, um, I've just, uh, uh, I mean, and people are coming around to the, my ideas, really. Did Did you have anyone kind of at, at the time thinking, how, how dare you? I mean, this is, a, you know, some, someone from, from the low profession of comedy coming into our world yeah. and going, well, yes, I know, but I am writing about comedy. <laughs> That's actually an area I... I know about you, and you can see in Chaucer, you can see the joke shapes. You can see where he's cracking a joke, and 
Um, to miss that, uh, I think a lot of academics just don't see it because they don't recognize the joke shapes. Um, uh, but, um, uh, yes. Uh, do, people, do, you think, do you think people get precious when there's a point? Of, I, I was thinking yeah. about... Uh, I went to a screening of Anshaun Delu once, uh, the Louis mm. Bunuel yeah. uh, film, and uh, halfway through, it was at the Prince Charles Cinema, this man went, you can laugh, you know, it is a comedy. <laughs> and Because everyone's just like, oh, we're watching art, we're watching yeah, yeah, art. Yeah. To be honest, even though, you know, it is a comedy, a lot of the jokes about, you know, p- putting razors in eyes just aren't as, as good as they perhaps were in the 1920s. But th- th- you, you suddenly, oh, you mustn't like Shakespeare, you sometimes see Shakespeare, oh, it's been overly precious. And then yeah, yeah. I saw an all-male, all version of Midsummer Night's Dream uh, yeah. a while ago and thought what's the first time I've ever laughed at this yeah, it's yeah, actually really yeah, yeah, yeah. funny because they are going we're going to turn this back into yeah. not go this is art we must be yeah, very yeah. careful yeah. with it so do you think that that comes into it there's with distance of time and intellectual rigor joy can be removed yeah I mean I, I, can't, I can't get over the fact that people take history so seriously you know they 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 also poe face now, I once wrote a, a, an essay at school and put the end at the thing, and then thank goodness, and got that underlined, you know, so see me about this. I mean, I mean, you know, people laughed in the in the in the history in the past, and uh, they had made jokes. Um, uh, I think one of uh, Henry the Second's uh, favorite performers was uh, a man who did a. Uh, a, 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 a a whistle, a leap, and a fart, <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, people just have always been sort of laughing at stupid things, and uh, it's, uh, that's ah, a, that's a wonderful ah, thing. Actually, but, in the old days, in Henry the Second's day, yeah. your act could be a whistle, leap, and a fart, and because yeah. there was no television, <laughs> that could keep you going until you died of leprosy. Yeah, was, uh, how are you? This is Josie Long. She gets Josie, lost. Josie, oh, Josie, oh, got lost. Um, Yes, Josie, take your bobble hat off. I, you know, Mr. Jones said no bobble hats in the house. Yes. <laughs> We're all very, very angry. We haven't got onto politics yet, so that's okay. okay. <laughs> we, we've, we've dealt a little bit with Chaucer tonight. We're just on to uh, Henry II's favourite actor, a whistle, a leap, and a fart. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was that was one of your early routines, <laughs> wasn't it? No, no, only the whistle was deliberate. Uh, the leap was led in a desperate bid to try and avoid anyone noticing the fart, and that that was how it went on for a while. Well, five stars from the Scotsman, but the Herald thought it was awful, didn't they? <laughs> so, Oh yeah, so we, we've talked about just just to bring up yeah we talked a little bit about uh, Chaucer's Night, a little bit about uh, whether once something becomes historical, we deal with it with kid gloves, and therefore the humour goes from it. Oh yeah, people just people wouldn't even think that Chaucer was really rude and funny if they hadn't read any of it. They'd just think, oh, that's that thing from the olden days. Well, now <laughs> Josie's here because you're you're keen. You, you like your politics now, don't you, Josie? I did, but I, do you know, I know someone who lives like a medieval lord yeah. insofar as he owns a big house and then he's got loads of people who live and work on his farm and then he gives them little stipends and they only work about a day, a day a month. Yeah. And then... Um, Who's this, Michael Morpurgo? Is, it, uh, is that what he's thinking? <laughs> <No. laughs> oh he gosh. has a farm <laughs> and he, get, he, uh, he gets children... Uh, from disadvantaged uh, uh, places to uh, to go and uh, stay on his farm. And my two, when I lived in Camberwell, my two children went and stayed on his farm because <laughs> they were in a deprived area. That's a, that's a postcode lottery. Yeah. He said that makes him like a workhouse owner. Uh, yes. Like a sweatshop. No, no. I think he <laughs> just gives them a good time and uh, they go and milk the cows and things like that. <laughs> It's not a full-on return to serfdom. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's nice. other, you know, that, that's other governments who I'm sure will, will help bring in this, uh, this idea. That's what I wanted to bring up, which is, you've written, I mean, I've, I've got your book here, which was uh, Terry Jones' War on the War on Terror. Yeah. And, and I wondered if a collection of, of columns that you wrote, really, from uh, September 11, 2001 onwards, yeah. do, again, did, do, were people critical of, of that? I mean, so I, I think they're very, uh, some of them are very darkly funny in terms of, uh, and some of them are just passionately political about what was going on. Did you think there was perhaps a lack of voices as well at that time where yeah. mainstream media... I mean, uh, just the mainstream is just so, you know, conformed to the usual stuff. And I, I was just so angry. You know, you just could see Tony Blair just catching the coattails of, uh, of Bush and uh, 
Um, and, you know, you just knew that thousands and perhaps millions of Iraqis were going to get killed. And, uh, and you just see it happening in front of your eyes. It's just, I just was so angry. Mm. <laughs> well, you actually said in one of the, uh, I, was, I was rereading one bit today. You can ask a question, Joseph, to fill in when I look for the right page. I'm I told too, you there was no professionalism. To be, I'm, I'm sorry, because I think I'm just going to be a bit intimidated. But all I normally do on the podcast is just sort of giggle and go like, <laughs> yes, that's fine. But, um, no, you I, don't. I felt Joseph. that way about like the war. Not in the edit. Like before, oh, in the edit, in the edit. Like, yeah. they put you all back in. Fine. She re-records her bits <laughs> off. And she goes, oh, I didn't, I didn't notice her being so astute when like, she was in my office. A fascinating dialectic. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I felt like that about the Iraq War. I remember when we were going on the march, and it's like you just feel this inevitable thing grinding yeah, into place, and yeah. you just see it happening. And you just yeah. think that's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, that is also how I felt about the Spice Girls, but it's not the same yeah. level of uh, resonance. That march against the Spice Girls, <laughs> you organised. Still didn't work. Uh, yeah, just didn't, didn't work. No. And I feel well. like this about this government. Like yeah. I felt like, oh God, they're going to get in and they're going to do this, and pe- it's just going to happen. It doesn't matter how much I know that what they're doing yeah. is bogus and yeah. based on like a very cynical exploitation of a set of circumstances, I won't be able to convince people when there's nothing I can do. Mm. It's grim. But then you must feel like, I don't know, having the platform that you had would have, like, influenced a lot of people that might otherwise not have thought about it or changed people's minds. Oh, yeah, I mean, I just didn't... I I don't know. I mean, I just felt I had to write something. I just felt felt I I had to add, add my voice. I mean, I... I don't go on marches, so at least I had to do something. Um, but it was quite difficult to <clears throat> to, to to write them because I, I, I'd never never had any guarantee that the Guardian were going to publish them, and uh, and I, I'd sort of ring up and say, "Would you like Would you like something?" And they'd say, "Or uh, well, um, keep it out to eight hundred words or something like that." <laughs> and so I never knew whether they'd publish it or not. And eventually, they sort of started doing them on their uh, on the website rather than the uh, rather than the printed paper because they paid for all these professional com- columnists to, <laughs> to do. do you think there is that now that there are because I, I find that way they're just kind of professional contrarians and you read their columns and you think it doesn't really they, they, I don't know if they actually believe in anything yeah. They just when I when I oh, sometimes yeah. go back to reading, uh, you know, when you get collections of the, well, the great, perhaps unfair, you know, but the, the, the truly great um, uh, columnists, and you just think well, these are wonderful. These are filled with. I, I've just been doing a thing about Bertrand Russell and oh, to yeah, read, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, his essays again, which I, I think haven't really dated yeah. most. Of them things have changed. Obviously, yeah. marriage and morals has changed somewhat since yeah. he wrote that. And, but you just go, oh, this is all really him. This is a man who at eighty nine was being, you know, arrested on the street for a sit down protest in, in Whitehall. And then I pick up the newspaper and go, yes, well, this is someone who's paid. Could, could you be quite controversial about this on Tuesday? <laughs> yes, yes, that'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, I suspect you're right, actually. Yes, it's just the, I mean, uh, uh, like, you know, the critics, you know, it's always easier to be uh, f- funny and, uh, and, and critical when you're critical about it and running something down. But, um, I don't know, you know, I think, uh, you know, critics should tell you what they really feel about or something but I think you're right actually well I I wondered if there is a kind of age it's something that Josie may have talked about before which is and we see it in comedy quite a lot and we've seen it in the last couple of weeks where there's a kind of dispassionate cynicism because if you actually stand up and say I mean I've also got with me a book which I I actually I used to work in a children's bookshop so I was always looking for books that I could enjoy in my tea break and I remember picking up Attacks of Opinion which was your collection of of columns for the for the Young Guardian in in the late 80s um to actually stand up and say oh I believe in this or I'm passionate about this means people go oh you believe in that whereas if you can just go it's just a joke I'm just being cynical I'm I'm just doing some you know rape jokes or whatever it is you just, people go, oh, it's all right. No one means anything anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know whether you... Yeah, no, I, I, totally, I totally agree with you, yeah. If you're just contrary for the sake of it, that's what's the point of that? I mean, I, I kind of feel the, the whole Iraq thing is, 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 uh, is the result of the arms industry, really. I think that's, that's what's propelling all these politicians to keep the, uh, the thing going. I, I once bought a magazine it was an in-house magazine for the arms industry called weapons today uh, and this was just before the first inva- iraq uh, adventure in the in the ni- in the 90s 
and uh, and it was all about the editorial was thank God it was headed thank God for Saddam, and it was all about uh, how uh, since the collapse of uh, communism and uh, perestroika. Uh, the, the, the order books have been empty for the arms industry and, uh, and now we've got a, a, um, a, a, an opponent who nobody can run, the, no, nobody can say he's a nice man and, and so we can look forward to the order books being a, a lot fuller and then it went on to say and in the future we can uh, look to Islam to replace communism and I, you know, I, at the time I thought Joking, you know what? <laughs> Get the Crusades going again, you know. Um, but uh, of course, it's all happened. I mean, and you can see that they've been uh, they've been funding the Islamic fundamentalists all through the eighties and nineties. Uh, they they were funding them, you know. The Americans were were, were pushing, pouring money into them to to, to counter communism, and uh, so they've you know they've they've created this uh, this thing. And it's the arms industry that's pushing. They need a, that, you know, any respe responsible uh, 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 business needs uh, needs a market. And if, if they don't have a market, they they're not going to. Uh, they're not going to. It's so mental as well to think that those people writing that magazine are that dispassionate about it that they're like, well, you yeah. know, of course, so in the industry that's going to happen. You know, like yeah. as if they make bottles of wine or something yeah. going, well, of course, you know, South African wines are going to come in. Like that's, <laughs> it's like, what was it? I think it was just like the first time when I was younger that I read anything like, like The Economist or something. And then they were really blasé about a social justice issue because they were talking about, I don't know, like, some economy thing, so yeah. they'd just be like, and that means the poor will happen to this. And, and you just think like, wow, you, the way you see the world is in such kind of strange, concrete, impersonal terms. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, and you'll all be sitting around reading that thinking, fine. It's the mastery of cognitive dissonance. It's <laughs> yeah. what keeps us going. It's that, because um, I always think that I've never, I remember reading an interview, I'm sorry if I mentioned this in another one, where I read an interview with Henry Kissinger uh, and it started, it was in prospects, I mean, and, and it went, I was surprised, Henry Kissinger seemed like a very charming man, as if people go around <laughs> going, <laughs> and now yes. I shall destroy that. Because when you meet someone, very, there's only two people I've ever met, and I'm not going to mention who they are, two people I've met, and just immediately gone, crikey, they don't even bother with a front, what awful, ghastly people. Can we guess? But, you know, every, no, you don't, well, I'll tell you afterwards, the, uh, um, I'll do them a series of scratch cards. So <laughs> can, uh, but that, that, I think seems to be such an important part and, and attacks of opinion, which I, I still, I, I love that you, you wrote a piece about the, well, this seems to be again, a different age where the, the passion in, in the attacks of opinion and, and the way that you write about the sun, there's 20 things you didn't know uh, about the sun because they, they did 20 things you don't know about, about Monty Potty. Python. And Potty. one of the reasons is not, not many did not, most people not know that about Monty Python, but uh, you didn't even know that about yourself. So, you, yeah. exactly. you, I think what was it? You'd spent three years at art college. You yeah. had a, a specific car you with a, uh, say yes to ecology on the back and, yeah. and you go well, this is wonderful to me because I, I don't even know where I parked that car or when I bought it but, but that kind of uh, again that, that, that passion do you think that like, what's like required roll on roll off roll over uh, the row row rows of the, 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 that was the, the uh, thinking of the the, the spirit of free enterprise because it the, the, the I don't know whether the no that it was a ferry that sank mm. and it was called the spirit of free enterprise, um, but in all the press called it the Zebrugger disaster, because they couldn't call it the spirit of free enterprise disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean every other shipwreck has been named after the ship. Yeah. You know? Wow, they were like no, no metaphors not allowed. Mm. <laughs> That's oh wow. I'll lend you my copy later on if you like. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, see, my, the main reason I'm sort of, I'm very intimidated is because um, stop like, saying you're intimidated. No, that's the wrong word. But like, <laughs> you won't. I'm you so may stay to here and do all the, the surf work that. I don't Jerry mind doing that. Surf's a happy life. Josie, it's a good time. You know, uh, uh, mending things <laughs> and living in a shed. I'm very good at tilling, <laughs> and the one where you tread on the urine <laughs> to clean the stuff. I'm good at that. I do that in my house. 
Um, no, I'm just just because I was my mum used to read me your books, and then I used to watch loads of my Monty Python since I was a little child. Yeah. So it's really what like made me want to be a comedian. So oh. this, it's not really a question, but I just wanted to be like, thank you very much. I'm having a Josie, lovely life. Josie, please be more cold and dispassionate about the whole thing. Like I told you to but, be. I'm glad you're having a lovely <laughs> life. Uh, yeah, that's very good. But as well, like it's... which books? Because I, I I picked up again because my, my my son's only three and a half at the moment, so he's yeah. just about reaching the age I think where we yeah. can start some short stories. But I. I was reading uh, Nicobobinus yes. again, oh, right. yeah. which is such a. Uh, I mean, you, you've, you've just got a new. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, have you just won an award? I'm sorry for not uh, for um, your. No, I think I think Animal Tales has been nominated for. Thank you. Um, Animal Tales has just been nominated for the Roald Dahl Funny Award. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I don't know. But you, yes, one of the stories I based the opera on for the Royal Royal Opera House. Um, we did we did put on an opera that uh, um, Anne Dudley uh, wrote music, and she'd actually been commissioned by the Studio Theatre at the Royal Opera House uh, uh, to to do something, and uh, and I just met her and. Uh, she said I was the only person she uh, she knew that had written a libretto. So, um, so she asked, she asked me whether I'd like to do something, and uh, my partner Anna suggested uh, I, I I base the, the the opera on on the first story in in that book, um, and it's about a wonderful doctor who uh, whose patients all love him and uh, he has a great cure rate. But the uh, the general medical council says he's got to stop practicing because he's a dog, and the, and the patients all say, "Well, it doesn't matter. He's a dog. He's just a, a wonderful doctor." You know? um, and, uh, and, and then he, uh, he he goes to the reason with the general medical council in in, in the opera, um, and uh, uh, the commissioner at the gate uh, the door won't let him in and starts attacking him with a broom. So he ends up biting the commissioner on the ankle and. Realising he's made a bad career move, <laughs> <laughs> and ends up in the dog pound in the opera. He ends up in the dog pound, and uh, and the, uh, there's a dog next to it, next door to him who used to be the headmaster of the local school, and uh, but slobbered over everything. And um, and the, there was another one who was a waitress in the cafe, and she liked to hump the <laughs> hump everybody's legs, the customers' legs. <laughs> That was the conversation we had about it. wasn't that. I remember saying to you when we were talking about Dara the Madman, do you know what you should do to her? You should write an opera about a, a dog that wants to be a doctor. And you said, oh, that's about 50%. I think you'll get for that. I don't know, it's all come back to me now. This, I, I found it quite... A, a while back, I, I worked on a couple of children's TV series, and, and I remember thinking, oh, maybe you'll be more constrained yeah. when you're writing for children, because well, the first thing is, oh, well, the swearing's out the window, yeah. and that's always good for effect. And I actually found that it allowed you to do so many different things, so many things that... Uh, like adult producers would go oh no 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 I don't think we could do that actually allowed if anything it broadened the yeah, possibilities yeah. and I don't know I mean like, like Nick Abobnus I said I haven't read it for ages and just starting reading that again such a rip-roaring adventure with so much going on yeah. these wonderful things where quite early on Nick Abobnus gets his uh, you know gets turned partly to gold, gold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and just think that to compress so much into, I mean, do, do, I know I'm going to ask you what you enjoy writing most. I'm sure that everything you do has its different things that it gives you. But the, the children's writing. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't really write for children. I kind of write for myself, really. Yeah. So, and I think my my age is about twelve or fifteen, maybe. Maybe it's going up a bit. Um, but but uh, I just write what what amuses me, really. And uh, I mean, the animal tales. I I actually intended that to be a crossover book so and I, I suggested to the publishers that we push it out as a as a humor book first uh, and then a year later get, get Michael Foreman to illustrate it and put it out as a children's book so we get two bites of the cherry I can't see what's wrong with that <laughs> but they couldn't, they couldn't see it <laughs> See, that's what I find odd generally is when people now, you know, this, this Harry Potter thing, which meant that there yeah. were new, different covers. The two covers, This yeah. is a, a black and white cover of yeah. the train, so it's all right. <laughs> you can and I don't actually have any embarrassment. I, I think it took me a while. It's like with comic books. I mean, I love certain yeah. comic books. Alan Moore, who's been on this before, is some yeah. of his comic books you can't read on the train. Yeah. Lost Girls, no, which is the about train. the sexual adventures of um, Alice 
uh, Wendy and Dorothy. and and Dorothy. Yeah. From, uh, that's it's a one very where... dirty book. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, 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 it's very erotic. Very erotic book. Doesn't have a lurid cover. Does it? Yeah. Oh no, the cover's, the cover's fine. It's only when you open it and you go, "Good lord!" So many people to be so involved. <laughs> <laughs> but brilliant. That that you know that you are meant to be embarrassed by going. I mean, well, I was I was reading Nicobobinus on on the way back from some late night gig in, yeah. in in Greenwich at one in the morning. And I mean, people stare at me for reading a book at one in the morning. Anyway, on the train, I don't, I don't think it really matters what, what what's on the cover. So do do you 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 just everything you do, you just think is is that an incredible position to be in? To go, I can just I spent years creating things. Um, for myself, which fortunately it turns out people want to buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if they want to buy them, yeah. So, I mean, I, I there's, uh, there's a book I've written, uh, the third one in the uh, in the Night in the Square series uh, that I can't persuade a publisher to to to, to, to take on. So. Ah, that's the new Unbound one. I, that, that, I, I got this uh, thing, Evil Machines, which uh, is a collection of stories um, uh, that, that are uh, just I- individual stories. Like there's one about um, the, the vacuum cleaner that was too powerful, uh, takes over the world, <laughs> and uh, the the truthful phone, which says... Uh, doesn't say what you're saying; it says what you're thinking, which is a terrible thing. And the, the lift that took people to places they didn't want to go. Um, <laughs> and, and so there are these separate stories. But then, as you get about halfway through, you find that they're all connected and they're all part of the same overall story. Um, and uh, and then I I, I I did it as an opera for um, uh, for a theatre in Lisbon. Um, and uh, a Portuguese composer, and uh, uh, and I changed the overall story. So I thought, well, I won't. Uh, I'll obviously go and change the the, the overall story for, from what what it was originally. Um, and uh, and so I never got around to doing that. So I wrote it about five years ago, I think. Um, so now, uh, then, when Justin Pollard uh, started this Unbound website, um, it's 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 a, a crowd-funded uh, publishing w- website. Okay. So so authors uh, record a video, uh, a pitch uh, about something, a, a book they'd like to write, uh, to uh, and they pitch it to uh, potential readers, and then the potential readers uh, subscribe to the uh, the idea. They think they'd like to read the book, um, so they put in £10 or £20. Uh, £10 gives you an online uh, copy. Uh, £20 gives you a hard pack, uh, hard copy of the book. Um, and uh, so you reach target of, uh, price, uh, target, uh, a target uh, of, of subscribers, and, uh, and they publish the book. Uh, that's the idea of the, the thing. Um, so... Uh, that's uh, brilliant. Has he done Hang on, already? Adrian, how much did you subscribe for? £100,000. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Are you getting a hard copy? Are you getting I, the? I expect everyone seems to be acted out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Justin Pollard actually he t- he tweeted me earlier. I think it was Justin who tweeted me. He said he'd like to apologise for a TV show called Popcorn that you appeared on, and uh, he should have warned you. Really? Many years ago, it was a film quiz. Anyway, he says oh, right. he should have warned you, and he's very apologetic. Oh, right. Don't know if we should keep that in or not. <laughs> I did a couple of them as well. Wasn't that good? Um, the uh, sorry, Josie, you were going to ask something. I um, apologise for. No, I just, I just wanted to know more about the sex. It sounds really good. If they have they done two, have they done two? Already? Well, they've like, the, the, the my book, Evil Machines, is the first book. I mean, because what happened was, I when Justin asked me if I'd got something in the bottom drawer, I went back and reread the Evil Machines book. I thought, well, actually, it's quite good, actually. So, <laughs> so I, I I gave that to them for for their first book, and uh, and that was the first one to reach its target. So. It's just experimental stage at the moment. I think the second book uh, now has reached its target. Um, uh, so they're so they and we're publishing on the fourth of November. I think it is. Uh, right. But what they didn't tell me was uh, when I agreed to do the thing um, was that the the part of the thing was if you subscribe, uh, I can't remember sixty pounds or something. You get to have lunch with the author. So, <laughs> <laughs> so your calendar is busy till like. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> They're doing it all at once. I suppose uh, on the, on the fourth of November, we'll be all having 
having, having lunch together. <laughs> That's very unfair. Oh, I saw a wonderful one of uh, Paul Darrow, who was yeah. uh, in Blake Seven, I suppose, most famously. He was this, yeah. this kind of lead. Uh, was he a good guy? Was he a villain? You know, he was the yeah. sexy guy, Paul Darrow. Yeah. And I remember uh, seeing on some website going, our, our dinner with Paul Darrow was a tremendous success, yeah. and we'll be doing it again soon. And then seeing the picture and going, it was literally just him going around to someone's house. Yeah. The dinner, had, they, they, they'd sold the six seats that were available in that particular front room. Yeah. And, uh, and and then he sat around. Which I find is, that terrifying. It is slightly awkward, isn't it? Tell us what it was like when he first read the script from Blake Seven. I don't know. Finish last finish. <laughs> and then I presume you're going to have to talk at the same time. Going, oh God, I've got mash coming out of my mouth now. It's always the worst time to discuss. And if there's things. only sort of like three yeah. bits of cake left, you yeah, can't yeah, lunch you for can't once because yeah. you're greedy. You have to just no, no. You have, you know, terrifying. What kind of dinner do you get with three bits of cake? <laughs> I just have a good time. I go to a lot of nice dinners. You should have a nice pudding, not a cake. Well, trifle would have been nice if you bothered to make that. I'll tell you you're going to bring this a trifle. It's meant to be. I get on the podcast uh, no, yeah. I'm sorry, on a I'm daily sorry, basis. She's meant to be the creative really? side of it and bring <laughs> us things. Not supposed to be anything. I just show up and giggle. That's my remit. The, um, um, I was going to ask you one thing, which uh, I didn't really want to bring any of this, but um, you said, I think, a couple of weeks ago in an interview that you wondered if you would have made Life of Brian now. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I wondered if you. Well, could. I mean. Uh, I think, you know, when we made Life of Brian, it, it, it felt a bit like kicking a dead donkey. Religion was so sort of comatose at the time, um, in the late 70s. Um, and, you know, church attendances were falling. And uh, But, I mean, now, uh, with the uh, the right wing and the, 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 the Christian fundamentalists in America, the, the South, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the time when we made it, I said, you realise we might get death threats, you know, and, uh, and everybody said, no, 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 we won't. But, but I think you would probably think twice. I, th- I think what I said was, I, I think you'd think twice about it, but we'd probably still make it. <laughs> Do, who are the Malcolm Muggeridges of the day? I'm not really sure who. No, uh... I don't know who they are. I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, today, no, I don't know. There are some really awful lunatics. I mean, I've yeah. come up against some people who just, it doesn't matter what you, I suppose almost again the same thing, that it doesn't matter what your explanation is, and you go, but here's all the evidence. Do you yeah. not see? Yeah. You know, for, it, it's clearly not Jesus. He's in the film, as, as is said in the, in the Friday night. Yeah. Um, I found the same thing where you just go, it doesn't matter that you go, no, 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 I don't believe that at all. I don't know why you think I want to ban Christmas. I don't. I think Christmas is very, very good. <laughs> oh, so you want to ban. No, no, no. I've just said, I really don't want to ban Christmas. Christmas, it's absolutely fine. I Look see, at these saw people. saw Richard Dawkins kicking a dog again the other day, did you? Well, I might have dreamt it, but it was very vivid. You know, you get... Do you know what? I think now it would be mock controversy that was stirred up for the sake of it to, for such a long period of time. Everyone like They would just pretend that people were really furiously objecting to it. it. And the presenter wouldn't have an opinion, but would be like, well, this is the objections people probably would have. And then they'd have one person going, yeah, and one person going, no. And then there would be a thousand pro programs like that for yeah. about a year yeah. about it well, that, that would happen now yeah, yeah. that's yeah, what I, would I, I, that's probably, how it would be received yeah, right. <laughs> so I say you should do it again <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to think again when you look at what was happening in, in not just comedy and drama you think of the kind of things that were going on in plays in the 1960s I think Dennis Potter uh, said he said you know when we, we were writing in the 60s we were all there going oh it's rubbish writing for television isn't it awful yeah. and then we realised later on that we'd been writing in the golden age <laughs> and it, was, it was only in hindsight and I, I recently thought I thought oh no does that mean that maybe in 30 years time I go oh I was also in a and they go oh no actually it's definitely not a golden age <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. checked I've watched all 57 channels the other day this can't be a golden age um, did, that- did you get a sense when you were, you know, first writing things like, you know, Do Not Injustice Set and things like that, going, go, this is a good time to just. How, how much interference was there over ideas that you were writing from the well, 60s onwards? Not really. I mean, I don't think. You mean, the, the BBC, when we did Python, uh, the BBC. You see, in those days, the BBC prided itself on not censoring itself. And so the the producer was responsible for what went out, and the heads of department would only see the programmes once they they were transmitted, and um, uh, and they and, they, and I can remember Hugh Weldon uh, and David Admiral telling us this because they were he was control of BBC One, Hugh Weldon was and uh, Attenborough was control of two, and they prided themselves that they didn't censor themselves. 
and so the the producer was responsible for what went out and uh and if he was, if they didn't like it, they'd be hauled over the coals. So the last program in the first series of Python um, was uh, included the sketch with the uh, uh, eating the mother, um, the John going, <laughs> taking the sack, dragging the sack round to the undertakers. And, uh, and the undertakers say, well, we can burn her or bury her or dump her, uh, or we could eat her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, and, uh, Ian was hauled over the coals for that sketch, and uh, they, they all they all disliked it immensely. <laughs> so funny that it would be after it had been broadcast. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I wish they, I wish people at home could see the faces that Josie and me made no, when you said the, this this incredible you know oh. nonsense. What? How does that happen? <laughs> the, oh, the beautiful past. <laughs> I, I'm wondering who was it, was it? Undertakers or cannibals that complained about the sketch? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We'd never <laughs> eat a corpse that old. <laughs> Disgusting. But, but uh, as far as your question was concerned, um, no, I don't think we had any idea that it was golden age of, of television. Um, uh, but on, on the other hand, was it a, gold, a golden age? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's some terrific drama being produced. I mean, I don't actually watch television, so I'm only going on hearsay. But uh, <laughs> I hear the, I hear the, the, the Sopranos and the, uh, the, the, and certainly um, Steve Garrett's um, Kudos Productions. Uh, the, 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 the uh, can't remember the names of those. Um, uh, I know the ones. Yeah, yeah the ones based up in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I don't really watch television. In fact, you'll probably yeah. This is the, the, the yeah, latest yeah, number of people who don't yeah, really watch television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just, um, do, you, are you, do you watch much comedy now, uh, like live stuff or? Um... Uh, no, I don't. So what? Really. <laughs> <laughs> I just have dinner. I just drink a lot. And <laughs> just have, have a nice dinner. dinner. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, that was one of one of the things. Was it Golden and Simpson did? Was it Was it Golden or Simpson? I always confuse which one. Was it, who in the mid seventies just went? Well, I think I've made enough money, and I think I can just drink nice wine now. And so he's had about thirty six years, really, of, of just going. Oh, should we write? Well, I'll have another bottle. And that's, that's a good way of. Uh, was there anything that, or, or have you ever found yourself self censoring? And then looking back, thought, oh, do you know what? I should have put that in, you know, whether it's a book or whether it's a, a, a an idea for television or film. Um, well, uh, yeah, there was uh, there was a scene from Life of Brian, um, the only scene Eric wrote, actually, apart from the, the, the end song. Um, and it was Otto, the uh, the chemic leader of the uh, Jewish Kamikaze squad. Um, and... Uh, and actually, I cut it. I mean, I think I did write in cutting it because it speeded up the the, the, the middle of the film. Um, but uh, um, but then at the end, uh, the, 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 the the squad reappears in front of the, in front of Brian on the cross and uh, commit suicide. <laughs> um, and so we had to explain it. So it never got as big a laugh uh, uh, again. Um, there was one. There was one animation of Terry G's that, uh, which we censored, um, and it was. Uh, I think it was. It was something to do with the crucifixion, uh, the three crosses on the on Golgotha, and uh, and telephone engineers up there. <laughs> something I can't remember what it was, <laughs> but I, I don't suppose we'd have censored that now. Are you, are you hoping to maybe get a fourth film banned in uh, in the Republic of Ireland? Because um, um, you, you did have the, the record as quite considered. Yeah, didn't you, I, for... it was life, life of Brian, meaning of life, uh, personal services. Um, yes, and the, and there was the only other film that had been banned was um, uh, was Scorsese's. Uh, Passion. Oh, so you were very much the front runner. Though. Yeah, I mean, no, you, no, you, no. You were way <laughs> ahead of the. No, the, the, the fact that they don't ban films now, nowadays in Ireland. So uh, they only ever banned four films, and I, I directed three of them. So, so there was a. You think? What, what, why have they banned Wind in the Willows? Well, they saw something. <laughs> they, they, they misread in. Toad as an yeah. allegory, and <laughs> one thing led to another, and it was a disaster. It must have felt a little bit like they got wind of you and were following you around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On personal services, uh, did you 
I, I presume possibly beforehand, but did you meet any of the people who uh, are kind of... There's, there's some wonderful scenes. There's Alec McCowan, I think, goes yeah. something like, uh, yeah. I flew 500 missions yeah. over <laughs> Germany and all of them in... Uh, what was it? It's, it's, it's Cami Knickers and Bra yeah. and Cami yeah. Knickers. Yeah. 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 He's a, a wonderful cross-dressing man who uses uh, Cynthia Payne services in Streatham. Did, did you uh, ever have people come up to Charles and go, do you know what? Well, we used to go there in Streatham. You've got some of the details, you know, really spot on. <laughs> well, actually, what Cynthia, Cynthia Payne... Uh, uh, put on an, uh, a sex party for us because um, uh, actually how the film came to be written it was uh, David Leland who uh, who shared the same agent uh, as Cynthia Payne and uh, and they were s- sitting together waiting for the, to see the agent and uh, and Cynthia started telling him stories and so he got very involved interested and uh, um, and uh, and anyway, she put put on a. She wasn't allowed to because she'd been she'd been uh, stopped from running the sex parties, um, but she put on a sex party for us to uh, to, to go and observe, and, uh, and she invited all her old customers and things, <laughs> and, uh, and the girls. But um, uh, that must be quite an odd thing. Like, what do I take to a sex party? Yes. What do I wear to a sex? Yes. <laughs> well, there is some very there's some good costume design in 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 that film. Yeah. I mean, there's some uh, uh, and and some wonderful surprises as but well. With Dolly, I think is probably the the, the surprise. <laughs> well, I can't remember which cinema I saw that yeah. in, but I do remember going, "Oh, Dolly's yeah. If you don't know Dolly, uh, the, spoiler alert! But you should have seen Personal Services by now. Uh, so for those of you listening, uh, but there's a, a wonderful scene with Dolly, who's kind of a, a maid. Would it be described? Yeah, as she's a prostitute's maid, and uh, and suddenly they uh, it turns out that Dolly's actually a man. And there's a wonderful bit where they're all going, "Oh, Dolly, show it, show it to us again. Let's have a look at it." And they're all having a look. Yeah, oh, you've got a funny little one. But, but I mean, with it, with before with, the crying with, game, yeah. far more charming than the crying yeah. game. Right? No, it was. It was the crying game was after. Yes, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, but but um, with, with Dolly, um, he started. The actor started doing it with a high pitch voice, and I said, "No, no, no just do it normally, and nobody will ever notice. Nobody will ever notice that you, you just look like rather a butch lady or something like that." But uh, but um, uh, yeah, no, it's it's curious. No, I had no, I, I had no idea. It took, took me yeah. by surprise. Alistair Sim had some rules as well. I think when oh, when yeah. he when he played the headmistress in in Bell oh, right, and yeah. Trinians, was, again they they said, "Oh, do with the kind of voice." And, yeah. and he went, "Oh no," he, he said, "a certain way of just softening it." Yeah, yeah. And he, there was something about how you had to land on your feet. Yeah, yeah. A certain certain yeah. way of. Um, who has? Have we haven't got long left, have we? Sorry, I'm just, oh no, sorry, because I know you need to be at five o'clock. So. Um, I've I've been asked to ask this by everyone who I mentioned that we come yeah. to see you on on Twitter. Yeah. You're on Twitter as well, aren't you? Uh, yes, I don't do it very often. Do you like it? Uh, yeah, I quite enjoy it, but uh, <laughs> it's quite nice doing very brief things. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's great for writing. I think in terms of the constant distraction, it saves actually having to have a conversation. Yes, <laughs> and you sometimes feel you've had a conversation with people. Yeah, and then you can and go then, back. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go back to writing. Yeah. But and um, it's quite nice for economy. Like yeah. you, you write a thing and you go, well, how is that 129 characters too many? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then you sort of learn. Yeah, I ban myself from even even if it means I can't fit on. If I have to put through T H R U, I go no. <laughs> I don't feel I should. That's broken all the rules. Actually, I put a poem on. Um, and so, so it was on. I just did it in chunks, and uh, um, it was something I'd written for some somebody to read out. Uh, something about anti-war. Actually, it was. Uh, it was because Mar- Marcus Chown and I can't remember who else have just written a book called Tweeting the Universe oh, yeah. which is an explanation from the Big Bang onwards but yeah. each explanation is in 140 <gasps> characters so oh, can I have to cool admit because I, I found in the past I once uh, I tweeted a while back I'd, I'd just read that there were 500 times more stars in the universe than there were grains of sand on the planet Earth yeah and then someone tweeted back, bollocks. <laughs> and then said, how have they worked that out? And I found trying to explain how the University of Hawaii had come up with that figure yeah. using 140 characters at a time oh, right. was that actually did stymie scientific <laughs> dis- discussion. Um, but they, uh, a lot of people did ju- just want to know your opinion on, uh, I know you've, you, you did see it, Holy Flying Circus. Oh, yeah, no, no, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 I thought it was a great uh, f- piece of fantasy you know it just I mean I just I, I thought um, uh, he, he, he'd, he'd done a really good bit of writing actually 
I mean, I just loved that mix of fantasy and whatever else it was. I, can't remember. I, I, I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, the only the only thing was, I felt that uh, I looked like more like me when I was Michael's wife. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, that was a wonderful that, that, and also seeing the commissioning editor of uh, the head of BBC Four. Uh, taking an enormous amount of cocaine and, and forcing people <laughs> to dance for him. <laughs> um, can I ask you, do you find that like people approach you with a really big weight of expectation? Like when they meet you, are they always a bit like, <laughs> Josie, do not suddenly reveal now you've been disappointed <laughs> after that earlier excitement in the podcast. What are you oh, talking no. about? No, oh, no. Do, do you see what I mean? Do, like, do people sort of always expect know. you to do something for them? I don't know. Oh, okay. I guess that's good. Then that means no, I suppose, yeah, that people yeah. aren't mental yeah. when they meet you. The way you've said no, I just imagine <laughs> everyone leaves and going, do you know what? He didn't do what I'd expected. Now, we've been waiting for what I'd expected. How did he do the for dance? For 45 years now. <laughs> no. It's ridiculous. D- does that change around the world, though? Do you think there are... I mean, you know, people have always said that... The, the mo- and I, I found that when I first went to the United States when yeah. I was a teenager in the late 80s, that, you know... The, the, Monty Python was a, was a shortcut to beginning of conversations with anyone who was British. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And that maybe there, there is a different... That because things are... Can, can be become, like, you know, messianic almost yeah, in, yeah. In, in terms of their potency. Yeah, Did you, no, have you found it's there possibly, that? yeah. I mean, I, I'm certainly much more recognised in the States uh, than here. Actually, the only time I discovered that the expectation of something was when I went back to Oxford in the in the uh, the 1980s I think it was and I went back to my old college and uh, and everybody said uh, 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 Bruce is looking for you and, and Bruce was my Anglo-Saxon tutor uh, Bruce Mitchell I read some of his stuff when I was there yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry um, and, uh, and, so, and they said Bruce is looking looking forward to meeting you, and, and they kept on saying this. And, and then when I saw found met, met Bruce, he said, "Hey, well, what? Hey, hey. Oh I, 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 Bruce, what are you on about? I can't understand what you're what you're expecting." And he said, "Well, you know the the Bruce's sketch." Um, in Python, um, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, obviously based on me, you know, I'm Australian, uh, uh, University of Wallamaloo, I went to University of Wallamaloo, I got uh, uh, lilies on my desk and things like that, and I, and I said, oh God, no, Bruce, I mean, <laughs> it was that Eric Idle, I think, wrote, or, or John wrote that sketch, um, and, uh, and he said, oh, don't, don't tell anybody because Bango's my street cred. Oh, that's so harsh to be like, no, that wasn't about. It's like somebody thinking there's a love song written about. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that yeah, was the girlfriend no, no, before no, no, you. No, no. The, the other thing, sorry, I, I was just wondering, as was that because of, 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 of reputation, do you sometimes find people, because some people spend so long, once they've got a pet project, once they've got something they really love, and of course with, with, with things like Python and Ripping yeah. Yarn, people uh, have an ownership. Did you ever have conversations where people kind of go, oh, no, no, that's not what happened, Terry? No. <laughs> And you go, no, I really was there. And they go, well, no, that's, that's not... Well, no, usually they're right, actually, because I don't remember anything. <laughs> I think that means that you've you've had a good, interesting life. You've done too much stuff to be able to... Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> but is it... Yeah, I, I, suppose that's that's the, I suppose that's the odd thing. It's you, you can actually allow some of your memory just to go, do you know what, I won't, don't really need that bit. Yeah. Because if I do, I can just, you know, there's various biographers and fans will go, that's what happened then. And you go, oh, thanks very oh, much. Thanks, I can yeah. use the rest of it for philosophy, flat earth theories, etc. Well, maybe, yes, maybe. I, I did discover my diaries. I, I thought I'd only kept a diary for one year, but I, in fact, I, there's a box of them there, and I kept them over about ten years on and off. So it'd be interesting to compare Mike Palin's diaries with mine. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Terry Jones for letting us come to your house nice. and, and if you got here early you'd have had a lovely coffee Jones <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry it was just we, too... we let the tea go cold oh, oh no, no don't this is the, the, the story of my life my... oh god Terry, wait, these, these cakes are specifically for 3.30 and now you. they'll be tainted they were hurled um, and thank you for writing and making beautiful and delightful things that have like been such a big part of my life it's been like 
Cheers, it's very yeah. cool. Uh, thank you very much, Terry Jones. Thank you very much to, to Josie Long. It's my she pleasure always. Uh, utter shambles. Uh, Robin Ince <laughs> and Josie Long's utter shambles. Uh, thank you very much to Mike Pell, who'll probably do the editing of this, I imagine, and to Adrian McKinder, who kind of produced it. <laughs>